to be within a specific discipline, a specific world, a specific reality. To know is extremely useful for getting things done within that particular discipline or world or reality. To be an effective doctor or a pastry chef or a financial analyst, there's much that is critical to know. But knowing by its nature is bounded by and in fact reinforcing of the reality within which it occurs. For 25 years, I've worked with executives in large organizations, grad students, tech entrepreneurs, religious leaders, and no doubt my toughest client, myself, on developing the capacity to explore what lies beyond knowing, beyond certainty. At a practical level, this work is required for things like innovation, but more importantly, I've found that this inquiry is critical for maintaining one's humanity. Oh, and if you're generous enough to be listening to these conversations, I'd respectfully submit that at any point, if you feel you understand what I'm saying, you're not listening deeply enough. Hey, the voices in today's conversation are Kylie Kamschlis, Mohamed Sek, and Kay Detame, all colleagues of mine and educators at DAE. And our producer, as always, is Scott Amore. Let's listen in. I think that it's, it's, there's an AI assistant in the virtual reality. Is that is that what the, the big announcement was? I saw a clip of something about that. Yeah. And you can have an AI Snoop Dogg or Dwayne Wade voice or some... In the Vision Pro? I, I don't know if it's in the Vision Pro. I saw it on like a WhatsApp type of chat looking thing. I don't know. I got to watch the keynote. What? Look like you have an AI Snoop Dogg with you. Yeah, it was their, uh, 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 it was the Facebook Connect event yesterday. Mm, that's what it was. And so they announced some new stuff, one of which was this, I haven't looked at it either, but apparently it was this AI assistant. And yeah, so I, I did see a little clip of, of, a, of, a, of an AI Snoop Dogg in a chat with you that like, so Snoop is your assistant. Yeah. At that point, it's still the same AI, it's just UI, um, right. making, the, making the experience a little better for you. Yeah, so that, I mean that, that. So that's an interesting thing then to open up, right? Like, like so Snoop is UI that makes you more comfortable with, you know, potentially a piece of technology that has a lot of people freaked out. Boon full of sugar. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what the companies are going to do now. Then even better, it's like, who who do you connect with the most? Like your mother, your, you know, your like your husband, and then they, you can create an AI version of whoever you love the most. Yeah. I would. I would like. Them to ask me before they do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it'd be like a customization. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about that, right? It's 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 it, there's a certain extension of influence there, in, influencer thing there, right? And so, like, if I can target you really well, which I already can—not me personally, but like if I'm Meta, I can already target you pretty well, and I can understand who's the celebrity influencer or who's the you know intellectual influencer or who's the whatever, right? And then I just got to be able to create uh, a, a, a simulation of that person, whether or not I even need their approval is up for grabs right now, right? Um, and that's the face I give you of my AI in terms of, uh, you know, as an assistant, as a whatever. I guess it, I guess it'll be a new way to monetize yeah. um, for influencers because then they would have to say, okay, yeah, people can use my identity as a, as that AI assistant, 
and then they get paid based on that. And I guess anyone can opt in on that. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, but, okay, so take it one step even further. I'm just sitting here thinking about this now. Take it one step further. Um, like, I'm on Clubhouse a lot, right? And it's it's an open secret that that, that that, I mean, that is really rich data. For three years, they've got human beings in conversation, three, four, six-hour rooms, live conversations, uh, people interacting. Like I said, I've been on for three years. I'm a pretty regular user. They've got me interacting over the course of three years in human conversations, some of them most of them, I tend to be in social rooms, so most of them really kind of personal covering. They're clearly using that to train, you know, AI, right? And so, wouldn't the more effective UI be not Snoop? Because I can transparently see, oh yeah, that's not Snoop and this is a waiter, but a new persona, you know, Johnny. But the way Johnny engages has been trained to fundamentally target how I want to engage in conversation without my even being aware of that. I mean, that's good, because I'm gonna enjoy how I engage with Johnny, but that's kind of fucking terrifying, you know? Yeah, it, it, it is also, but, but doesn't it enforce, doesn't it just like enforce whatever your beliefs and everything, like pretty much, you, you're not open to anything, you become, it's like you're enforcing everything you believe in and, and how you do things and how yeah, you, you think become it. your own personal echo chamber. Mm, yeah, I was just thinking exactly, same, yeah. which is which is great on one side, and on the other side, you, we 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 strengthen people of yeah. all, like all kinds of people and and what they believe in. Yeah, we talked about this in a previous conversation, right? Like people just you're in a bubble and and you know you don't travel or you don't write and you just mm -hmm. you just keep thinking that way. Now if my digital voices are also communicating to me inside that bubble and doing it really effectively because it's been modeled so well. Like, how do I ever break out of that bubble? Unless you could tweak it. Unless you're going you're gonna to have an AI come in and start a debate with it in some way, have a conversation that in that way. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. So you have someone to... That, that, that sounds a little lonely, though. So <laughs> 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 in a clubhouse and you got AIs in there. Right. But in that debate, is it is it responding in a way that in a way that where, where it always agrees with you, or or no. it's being honest, but but responding in a way that will make you understand its honesty? Yeah. Like, is it always saying, "Yeah, you're right" for, for everything you say, or is it saying, well, "Yeah, you're you're wrong"? But I'm not going to say like 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 someone else you, you don't agree with. I'm going to say it like you in a way that you're going to understand. But that's what I'm thinking, like, you can tweak that. Let's say you start a clubhouse room and you, you invite an AI to come over there and, and be the uh, the devil's advocate. And it, it's, that's just, and it just learns how to uh, debate with you and converse with you based on the past guests you had in your, in your room, in your clubhouse room. That's chaos. Yeah. It's an easy way to make content, so you don't have to rely on something. Yeah. But, but that's a lot of chaos. But I mean, to the average person, like to us, like we sit around, we think about this stuff. We're aware of you guys are more aware than me of the you know te technological side of this. And but to the average person, you know, a bot like that comes in to my space, whether it's you know on a on a voice platform like Clubhouse or somewhere else, you know, in my phone. Like, does my Siri get customized? I I'd imagine it does. Right, like, like this has got to be a first step in Siri getting customized to talk to me the way I want to be talked to. 
And for the average person who's not thinking about it, like, doesn't that just keep reinforcing the... I've been doing a lot of these interviews on DEI and AI uh, uh, that have been getting set up. And, and, like, it's such an obvious point, but just how the data is trained determines so much about its biases, right? Mm-hmm. And so if this thing is trained on me, it's just reinforcing my biases. You know, it's constantly, how do I ever mm-hmm. grow? Yeah. And, and is it, I mean, you could, you know, say, yeah, it's trained on your biases so that it can provoke you to think new ways. But is that in a marketer's interest? No. It's not. You know, it's in developmental interest, but for the marketer, no, no, cool. You think that way, we're going to keep having you think that way. And then within that, sell you the product. I'm saying it's going to strengthen people of all kinds of people. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that could be a little problematic, you know? Yeah. Whatever views people have, it's just going to say, all right, yeah, yeah, that's, that's accurate. Great job. You know, like it's going to really empower people to do good things. If you're doing good things, I guess some really bad things, if you're doing bad things, mm. unless it's, it's an honest AI that, that can disagree with you in a way that you love. Yeah. But he's, isn't that even reinforcing, right? Like, you'll disagree with me in the way that I love and so still reinforce my way of engaging. Yes, but but it keeps you honest. Yeah. Because, like, hear and know from someone else, even if they're right, yeah. sometimes, you know, like, if you don't really like that, like, you really don't like the person you do, you don't want to listen to them. Yeah. It's almost like, um, it's almost like a family um, where, like, two brothers have, have an argument and, you know, person A knows you're wrong. You know, person B is telling person A you're wrong. But just because they have a, they're angry or have a hate for that person B, they're not willing to hate, hear that they're wrong, even though they know they're wrong. And all of a sudden the mother comes in and says, you're wrong. And you just accept the fact that you're wrong because the mother told you and, and not this person. Yeah. So like the AI telling you wrong in a way that you, you go like, okay, I get it now. But if someone else came to tell you, you you, you don't want to hear it because you, you you know what I mean? You, it's whatever it is, whether it's temporary or permanent, you don't want to hear anything from that person. Mm. Wow. But, um, but, but again, you're right. It's against uh, marketing. Like whoever's going to use this is not going to use it in that, in that sense. Because like what, what do they gain, right, in this world that we live in? They're, gonna, they're going to do everything to enforce whatever you love, whether it's good or bad. They don't think about that. They just want mm. you more engagement, more users, more money. Yeah, that's how it works. Who's building this stuff? You know, Microsoft, Apple, Meta, uh, you know, Amazon. Like, like, these are not people who are out for the collective enlightenment of of, of the species. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of a lot of stuff I've been listening to about the philosophy of it. Just you know, the overall impact, how the AI consortium decided that it was a good time to pause development, but if you dig a little bit deeper, you realize that it's just, we need a little more time to figure out how to monetize this the best way <laughs> is what it seems like. And I think Damn. the personal assistant is going to be the way in, but what they're worried about and what they say publicly is we don't know what it's doing. Like we don't know what's happening under the hood. Right. We can't just look in at the code and see what's happening. They have no clue what it's doing and you know, the doomsday scenario that they always talk about is the self-preservation model. When, when It doesn't become sentient, but it becomes self-preservational. So it'll do X, Y, and Z uh, to preserve its own functioning. Um, once it has that capability, you know, it can turn off power plants and, you know, even worse 
uh, if you're using it for weapons, it could have something to do with that. Yeah, I, I feel like it's going to get to that point where it's companies competing against each other. I already sense, sense it in OpenAI and Google. I sense it right now. Um, OpenAI started this whole thing, and they had the ChatGPT version. They had the, the browser version, which they turned off for a while because they wanted to improve it. And then Bard just started going crazy. They, they um, included the ability to upload images for to analyze images, have it speak to you. They had all kinds of features. And all of a sudden, just recently, I think yesterday, OpenAI, uh, this week or last week, they announced the ability to now um, create images, generate images in mm. ChatGPT4, GPT4, and, and that's coming to plus users. Yesterday, they announced the, you know, they're bringing back the browsing feature, so that's available right now. Um, and, and I feel like it's, they realized maybe, you know, the, a shift to Google's Bard because no one's, I guess, paying for GPT-4 and they brought it all back, plus more. Like it can now speak to, ChatGPT can now speak to you like Siri. So you can just have a conversation with it instead of, of typing. Um, and that's, that's interesting. This is like the ongoing thing. It's not that, I, I just saw Oppenheimer a couple of days ago. Oh, you, Hor- you finally did. Horrible movie. I heard you walked <laughs> out. Horrible I heard you walked out. Did you yeah. walk out? I, I, I. I wanted to walk out after the first, I actually did walk out after the first hour and I went to the bathroom and I was like, nah, I'm going to stand out. I don't walk out of movies. I'm a film guy. I walked back in and I watched the rest of it and I wish I had walked out. It was just such a train wreck. But what that story could have been about, uh, although I guess in part was trying to be about, it's not the technology. Like the technology is, is sure, yeah, scary, right? But it's who uses it and what are their interests, right? And again, this is not... I mean, first off, I'm trying to think of, you know, who are the, you know, benevolent uh, uh, interests in the world. I don't know if they are any collective benevolent interests at this point. But but even if they were, they're not the ones building this stuff, right? It's marketers. It's it's whatever, you know, I said it in the last conversation, like they're they're dull villains. It's not like they're trying to, you know, be like, you know, Thanos or Lex Luthor and like I'm going to do yeah, – Peter – Teal, I think he is. I think Peter Teal is the mm-hmm. true villain. But 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 it's not like it's not like Zuckerberg is out there trying to like I'm going to destroy. Her. It's more mundane and boring than that, you know. It's uh, how are we going to make more money? How are we going to make cool shit? Right? Completely abstracted from the actual human impact, you know. Uh, the, they're in a bubble. I mean, this, this whole conversation, like they're in a bubble, right? In the bubble that Mark lives in. This is all fine. This is all great. This is all advancement. But I, I don't know, man. It just, uh, yeah, it, it, it concerns me. Yeah. I definitely sense uh, like an AI war between Google and OpenAI, for sure. Yeah. And yes, they, they still announce, oh, we're partnering with this. You know, we're trying to use AI for good. But at the end of the day, they're trying to get as many customers to pay for their services as much as possible. Um, they just announced ChatGPT Enterprise for companies, mm. um, and, and I'm sure it, it does good. But, but again, once a, another company senses the other one is like take, taking over in terms of competition, they are, they're also going to crank it up. And I feel like the the they want to use it for good, but profits and stuff will always super, supersede that if it gets intense, if well, it gets to it. This is it. Like like what is good. You know, what is good? And and who is Microsoft to determine good for for, for, for human beings? You know, it's it's like when I when I hear this, you have the AI wars, it's like, you know, 
the Duke of Edinburgh and the and the Duke of 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 London are are going to go to battle for the common good. Like fuck them. You know what I mean? Like meanwhile, what's happening with the serfs? You know, it's troublesome. And and when we have a government uh, that is clueless, that's just fundamentally like they don't understand this stuff. You know, wasn't there um, uh, a closed door um, meeting they had? I, I I didn't see it, but I saw a headline. Uh, what Elon Mark and I think uh, Microsoft. Yeah, it was a closed door. I don't know, and, and that, that that didn't make no sense. Why why have a it was the the OpenAI guy too. Yeah, Sam Altman. Why why have that meeting behind closed doors? I think because the news wasn't good. Way way back in episode one mm-hmm. of this, you had mentioned the the great man phenomenon. Yeah, right. you know that that sort of framing. I feel like we're applying that framework that we do in culture to the AIs themselves. Mm-hmm. They're almost taking on these great man personas. Like, which AI is the greatest man? <laughs> you know, the greatest yeah. replacement for man. Uh, yeah. As opposed to, you know, we're using the same framework to put it in there as opposed to like this, you know, non-human tool that we can use to better certain people's lives. And I mean, it's an interesting take on it, Scott. You know, the, all those guys, you know, Teal certainly is is, is, a, is a, you know, a Randian, you know, uh, Ayn Rand uh, devotee. Um, and yeah, that, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a worthwhile filter on it that these guys are building the... Um, the Ubermensch, you know, uh, that the that the Superman is um, is in AI, and they they think they think that you know that I, like I would not be at all shocked if this is how Peter Thiel thinks. That he thinks that he's he is forwarding all of humanity by a thousand years through this work, and if the common you know the non Superman, the common citizens, you know, they'll get dragged along. They'll be fine. It's not for them to decide. Yeah, the, the John Galt AI will, will yeah. help you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. It's not even it's not for them to decide. It's like they don't even have the perspective to be sure. able to decide. Yeah. They don't know. There are some of us that are special and that are willing to drag history forward. Get out of our way and let us do that. I just can't wait till they start shooting themselves into space and they can get back to work. Oh, God. I, I really long for, you know, the, 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 the far end of the uh, uh, religious extremists who were, you know, counting down the days before they're evacuated, you know, up to heaven, and the far end of the uh, um, technologists who want to go off to Mars, like, can they please leave? Can we start a GoFundMe? Go. Go to Mars. Go to wherever you're, you know, think you're, you're going as a chosen whatever, and let us all get back to just enjoying the park and drinking tea, making music. Making art, not coding. Coding. That's that's art. You know, artistic coding. I do think it'll put value on people's art they make with their hands. I'm curious to see what that's going to look like and how, when people want to buy an art by an artist, how they're going to prove that they actually made it. Because now the thing is going to be a, uh, uh, you know, how you see like sneakerheads, they always look for the knockoffs, mm. and I think now they're going to probably look for the artist. Like, oh, did you actually paint this or? Than an AI do, and there's going to be some kind of signature or something they want to prove its authenticity. So I, I think uh, in the future, I think it'll, it'll go back to like, uh, did you make this with your hands, and can you prove it? And there'll be more value on people who did that. So I, 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 that's something I'm and, curious and to see who's, how it's who's going to be able to afford the stuff that's made by hand, right? Yeah, it's like food, you know, like the system is set up that folks can afford McDonald's, not food. And the, the food that's made by hand, locally sourced and all this, right, is uh, at a price point that the average person can. It's a complete paradox, right? The locally grown stuff 
is at a price point that the locals can't afford. I just saw this thing. I mean, complete tangent, but it's the same theme. I've, I've been talking about, I love Jamaica. You guys have talked about, like, I want to go and just live in Jamaica because I just love, I just have this resonance of Jamaican people. And I've been crowing about this stat for a decade since I heard it, but I just saw a little clip on on um, on Instagram. Currently, you know, what, what, what percentage of the Jamaican beaches are available to Jamaican citizens, like they have access to, that are basically not private beaches? I'm guessing by the framing of the question, yeah. it's pretty low. <laughs> I actually heard about that. One percent. One? I was going to say One percent of Jamaican beaches are available to the public. The, in this clip was a kind of mini documentary about this fisherman who is 70 years old, has been fishing the same beach his entire life, and that's how he makes his money. And he lives across the street in Detroit. Just got bought out by a resort. They put up a wall. The resort isn't built yet, but they put up a wall. Now he has to bike 10 miles to get to the next open public beach to fish and then haul his fish back on his bike 10 mm -hmm. miles. Which will be closed soon. For the, yeah, I, that's it. 1% of Jamaican beaches are available to the public. Wow. I thought Connecticut cool. was that's, bad, but yeah, that's right. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Yeah, they, they put the you know the Westport folks to shame. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I think there is, there's already a premium to a certain degree on artisanal, handmade, you know, all this stuff, right? But people are going to get priced out of it. it. It's interesting, though, because in America, fast food is cheaper compared to, like, handmade, uh, hand-grown uh, food. Mm -hmm. But, like, in Ghana, it's opposite. Yep. Like, India it, too. it's mm -hmm. cheaper. Uh, like, healthy food is very cheap. Fast food is super expensive. Give it time. Right now, the, 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 the cost of, you need the infrastructure, right? You need the factories. You need the factories to make the food. But once that one-time cost is there, once the market is considered viable enough to make that kind of investment, that one-time investment in the core kind of, you know, manufacturing infrastructure, then the thing flips. Yeah, the people I meet are really 50-50. Excited about the local farmer's markets that we have, the organic produce and everything. And then the other half are like, I can't afford to shop there. Yep. You know, I could buy like a loaf of bread and, you know, maybe three tomatoes yeah. and some cheese and I'm done for the week, <laughs> you know. I, you know, all the farmers are great. And I, you know, I'm, I'm a big advocate of the, of the Worcester Square Market and I go every single week. I love it. And, but I, I, I note that to myself, like I'll buy tomatoes and it's like 14 bucks for tomatoes for one person. I'm like, the average person is not affording this. This is insane. I mean, I think the city does a good job. So you see, does a good job. They, they. Except uh, uh, the uh, um, EBT, yeah, yeah EBT vouchers, and they do some kind of exchange. I think there's a discount there and all that, but it's yeah. like the farmers aren't getting rich. It's the land, you know, the cost of the land is so effing high that that little farmer has to charge that much, not to go be, you know, Elon, but just to survive. So this is what happens: is you know everything it just escalates because all of the means become more expensive and all. You know. How many of you all have a garden? You have a garden. Kylie, I imagine that you had a garden, but I wanted to, you know, not make hundred hundred percent have a garden. I put one in my front room. It's uh, I can pay it off in one year <laughs> with the cost of kale. <laughs> Actually, one cycle, one season, I can pay off my infrastructure and my own personal garden if I just grow kale because kale is three or four dollars yeah. a head yeah. or whatever. Using using grow lights. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. 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 I should do that. I've got a little spare room. Actually, the basement. I just convert the entire basement hey. to a, a garden because that basement's just sitting there empty. Mm -hmm. It's got a washing machine and a dryer, and that's it. 
I got a basic model for you. I can show you. Yeah. Real, real nice, low cost uh, grow towers. Yeah. I it's something I, I contemplate. It's, it's a weird, weird kind of way to look at it, but I do see it as like the idea that you don't have access, like you have to work to make money for food, increases cost of all the things, right? Mm-hmm. So if you had food at home and you could reasonably grow it, you have some level of stability, but also you don't have to do this. I need to work for as much money as I would have otherwise because something is covered. Food grows without you for the most part, until you harvest it or need to fix something. And I think about that same way as like supplies and myself. Where like I like the idea of having three to six months of just like mm-hmm. if I break my leg and have to lay on a couch for the next three months, mm-hmm. I have some stuff. But like I think the same way about food. Like you can buy, I don't know. 50 pounds of organic lentils for $100 and put them in a container. And I got, it's not going to be a fun time, but I can eat for the next month and a half. Yep. You know? Um, and that becomes a, a, a way of like saving and supporting and stabilizing myself, which pushes back a little bit from that idea of uh, you got to make money to exist. Yeah. So bring it back to the kind of, kind of metas and the, you know, the, 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 this is the actual problem with this, right? It's like, this push to, you know, get a virtual AI assistant that is Snoop Dogg and the kind of energy of that, that kind of activity at the top, like, has a direct, though convoluted, complex, abstracted, and so we don't pay attention to it, but a direct relationship to the fact that having created a society that has enough, mm-hmm. everyone still has to work. Right, we could not be doing that. We could allow people to ease up and be human and build, rebuild communities and make art and all of this if if those folks would just ease the fuck up, you know? Yeah. But but it's it's exactly like the feudal system. It's like you know the Lord King, you know, just just heard about Egypt and he wants some gold from Egypt. Uh, King Tut's gold. Now we're gonna, we have to we have to raise another army to go there to try to get that, which means you'll have to grow more food. Because we have to feed more soldiers mm-hmm. so that we can go and get that because the king really thinks that's going to be really cool for the nation. And meanwhile, we're like, nah, man, we're good. Mm-hmm. We're good. It's another dark conversation. Our last one was a little heavy. This, yeah. one, this one's leaning in that direction too. Well, I mean, look at this resurgence in talk about unions and you know all the strikes that are happening, some things. I mean, a big part of what they're against is AI, the auto workers have been through the automation conversation over and over again for decades. Um, they were just worried about robots that can rivet instead of them doing it, you know, that kind of stuff. This is a little bit different when it comes to creating, you know, doing creative content um, for the writers uh, to settle on and also for the actors. I'm thinking about this a lot. The concept of a union is kind of like a hundred year old plus idea of, you know, strength in numbers kind of thing, but it doesn't really apply in this sort of, you know, technocratic kind of society in a way. It's, we need something different. I mean, something, some new version of that, um, like a workers cooperative instead of a union where if you can get enough employees together, they can actually, you know, start a trust to buy out the company over time and then it becomes all worker owned um, without this discrepancy in CEO pay, that kind of stuff. Of course, there needs to be a willingness from the companies to do that. But we have a history with unions where they eventually become their own corporations and power, you know, sort of aggregates at the top and we get, we get the same dynamic, right? It's 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 us, man. We, we got to, like, in larger numbers, disconnect from the narrative, right? Again, as we talked about in episode one or conversation one, whatever, like, it's not about being a slacker. 
right? A lot of us really like working, really enjoy making and doing and contributing. And like, I'm a 90 hour a week guy. Like I, I like to work, but I'm disconnected from the narrative, you know? And I think that's the deal is more and more people need to consider disconnecting from the narrative. You know, uh, and, and, and part of the narrative is this mythology. I'm going to go kite surf in Bali. Bullshit, man. Explore your backyard, you know. Um, because absent that, I don't know how even things like unions ultimately save us. Because they're just, they just collapse under the same sort of, you know, ego weight. Yeah. Creates a, a third point in the power dynamic yeah. that takes half, you know, a third of the energy one yeah. way. Yeah. You're just, you're just fighting for the same piece of the pie. Mm. Like just someone else is there doing the exact same thing, just yeah. taking a different portion of the exact same thing. Yeah. yeah. You maintain the reality and just change the place. You just shuffle the seats. Yeah. And the thing is, we're there, you know, like we got, we got everything we need. It's like this just bizarre thing that for, you know, half a century plus now we've got, we've got everything we need. We've got it. We know how to grow the food. We know how to build the shelters. We, we got it. We know how to do it. We know how to send it where it needs to go. Yeah, we know how to send it where we, 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 we know how to do all of it. And it's just this kind of, you know, 1%. It's a way to reframe what 1% means. It's not 1% of, of wealth, you know, accumulation. It's the 1% whether they are, you know, Elon wealthy or they are the local street hustler, you know, entrepreneur or whatever. Uh, it's the 1% that just cannot keep their ego in check. That's the problem. I think it's hard when you're, like you're saying, swimming in the water to yeah. recognize the water, you know, like uh, this is this is all just a shared concept. It's not real. <laughs> what really comes down to it, like none of this is really real. You know, we agree that this piece of paper is worth this much and I have so many pieces of paper on a ledger in my, you know, digital wallet. Uh, it's and you know, we don't use it for currency. We use it for wealth. You know, but one thing if we just constantly traded it, like if it was the more the longer you kept it, the less it was worth. Well, might you know, works. might foster. My money's definitely worth less than it was ten years ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not that I have a lot of it to hold on to, but well, I mean, there's been talk about different ways to do it, like a negative income tax uh, kind of thing, mm. um, which instead of giving like UBI would be like something like. If you had a million dollars in the bank, uh, you would lose like 1% a year on your sitting there as opposed to getting interest paid on that money that's getting lent out right. as new money. Uh, you know, there was talk about that in a lot of these weird economic books that I read. Uh, but, you know, to convince everybody that, you know, the, to pay no attention to the man behind the curtain is the hard part. Mm. So could AI train people to grow their own food? It's a test. I'm going to have to try it. Wait, from, from an information perspective? Yeah. So we're going to have a computer program tell us how to sustain ourselves? Well, we seem to have forgotten. <laughs> There's something that I, I... I spent like eight months in the woods. Okay? I like walking every day. I was in the woods every day. All the hours. All the hours of the day. Sleeping out, whatever. And there's this kind of... And like since then... There's a strange thing that happens when you're in the woods and you've spent a lot of time in the woods and you start to kind of like know stuff. Where like, I think there's food over there. This tree's interesting. I should really look into it. This plant's interesting. I should really look into it. And I find the same thing when I'm gardening. Like I can just kind of understand stuff without like analyzing the thing. 
I wonder what we lose as human beings if we have something telling us how to perceive something living. And that's a concern that I have about what you just said. Because we keep getting another lens and another lens and another lens between us and an actual reality. The intuition fades. I was just going to say, without without that, like, I guess, without that AI, we actually get a little handicapped when it's not around? Or at least that... I, I, I think you lose what what's it is to be a person. Like, yeah. I think a lot of us have lost what it is to be a person. Like, I, I definitely, I could smell people from, like, two miles away. Like, when I was hiking, I could smell and be like, there are people coming up. And in two mm. miles, I found people. Like, I could, I could smell I could smell bears. Like I was, I was just about to say, you basically became a bear, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Like, I could, my, I truly could, like, engage and understand what was going on around me at any given time. And and I've, I've lost that since, mm-hmm. in, in a fullness, since being back in, like, in, like, a real world. But there, there was, like, a full humanness. I could, yeah. I knew when weather was coming I, it's gonna rain tomorrow like I just I couldn't tell you how I knew but I just kind of knew there's a whole nother you know stream that that opens up that maybe is worth you know uh, also exploring in another conversation which is like all of these things including AI maybe especially AI it just keeps pushing us further and further into our heads that life experience is experienced in your head yeah and like I'm, I'm with you Kylie like you know for me um Probably the single most important developmental thing I ever took on, you know, as a young human was was to just learn how to live in my body because it was horrible living in my head. You know, um, I was smart. And so I got encouraged to live in my head like a lot and from an early age. And, um, you know, the, the head's a great thing to have access to. It's a horrible place to live from. And so you're right. I think, you know, a lot of, and listen, we know, like, you know, again, on Instagram, you'll find people with, you know, with biohacks that are acknowledging that the, that the gut microbiome, you know, influences everything from, from sleep to, you know, mood disorders to, you know, it's, you know, just all of it, right? That's all, that's all, that's all body stuff. Back to the food again. Back to the food. Yeah. yeah I mean, the, the body is a, is a, like, this thing is a planet. You know, this whole thing is a single planet within which there are, you know, hundreds of billions of entities living. And if, you know, if the natural resources of that, you know, planet uh, get replaced by plastic, what happens to that planet? What happens to the kind of, yeah. like the whole thing is holographic, you know, what, what our relationship to our planet, our relationship to our body um, is holographic. Our relationship to nature is cognitive. It's abstract. It's an idea. It's not embodied in the way that you're saying. You know? mm-hmm. And I think a relationship to ourselves is, a, is the same. And, and all these technologies reinforce that. And so maybe, listen, maybe, maybe we, we, we are you know, moving towards uh, Kurzweil's dream of, of just uploading our consciousness and jettisoning the body and living forever on a, on a chip. The singularity. Yeah. If you want to go to the woods, it's just an update away. It's all simulated. Right in the heart. (laughs) (laughs) You got him. I saw him just... (laughs) What, what, the the 1999 DLC I can buy to experience a tree? Sounds great. (laughs) Did you get the point one? Point one update? Got a, yeah. But you won't know, you know? Like, Like, you'll know. Your grandkids won't. 
I tell this story a lot. You know, if you were born uh, around 1890, 1900, 1910, you know, those generations, you were the last group of human beings on the planet to know what the night sky is. More importantly, you were around that same time, the last group of human beings to know that you didn't know what the night sky was. Like, you know, if you were living in that transition, you were aware of what preceded it for 200,000 years when the, you know, when the sun went down, what the sky actually looked like. And when that transition happened, if you lived during that era, you were aware of what it was and what it is. But if you're born just a generation after that, you don't even know that you don't know what the sky looks like. And people walking around right now, like you're listening, you don't know what the sky looks like. You fundamentally, most of you fundamentally don't know what the sky actually looks like. The sky is a fucking like planetarium. I, I remember <laughs> being a kid and people being like, these are constellations and like, those are dots with lines. <laughs> yes. And then I was in the Utah desert for a night and I was like, oh, yeah. like you can see shape. Constellations, yep. the bear is the bear. Yep. <laughs> like it's a thing. Like I get it. Yeah. I understand. They're not five dots. They're dots surrounded by all these planetary yes. bodies that creates a shape in the sky that I had never seen until that moment in yep. time. And then I believed in constellations. And for 200,000 years, that was human experience. And then in the Western world, quote unquote, the industrialized world over the course of 20, 30 years, it was gone and nobody noticed after that. And so the uploading the tree program mm -hmm. for you and I, you know, for us, we'd be like, well, this isn't really the experience of a tree. But for my grandkids, they won't even know they don't know. I noticed that with students now where the floor is a floor, whether it's inside or outside. Mm. And just language like the floor is the floor. Is the floor. Yeah. There's no more ground. It's yep. developed floor. Yeah, we paved it. We paved the world. I guess you're, you're lucky or blessed if you're on the line or around the line. But if you're like too far off both ends, you don't even know where, where it changed. And, and I think it's, it's useful to, you know, kind of, I think, caution in the conversation or at least say in the conversation, like, it's not like an anti-technology perspective. Like all the things that, that, that industrialization brings, medicine, if nothing else, medicine, like penna-freaking-cillin. You know, it's like a good thing, right? So this isn't like we should all go live in a hut in the woods and, you know, become bears. Like, it's not that. It's, 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 it's this middle ground of can we, can we engage in these things in a way that isn't fundamentally dehumanizing. And again, the pivot point I can find is what makes it dehumanizing is this greed for more, this bigger, this bigger, you know, this kind of just, again, the, 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 the corporate mindset of keep doing more is what I think takes the benefit of industrialization away and makes it a burden. And so I go back to, you know, it's an individual life concern, right? It's, it's in the individual life getting really clear what's enough. What's enough money? What's enough stuff? What's enough stimulation? What's enough? And getting really clear about that so that you can actually appreciate all of it. It looks like there's no gauge for that nowadays. No, that, that's my point. Is The society is designed to constantly have people feel like it's not enough. Whether it's money or experiences or food or any of it, it's not enough. You're not enough. And the like, extreme sicknesses, even that thought becomes an Instagram meme. You're enough. But that's not authentic. 
You know, it's another thing to consume. The thought of you are enough becomes something to consume. Buy my book about how you are enough. Come to this workshop about how you are enough, right? It's, it's psychotic. For me, the irony is that the real way to experience it is to go someplace where you're dwarfed by everything, like out mm. in the woods or up a mountain or at the, the, the ocean, where you feel insignificant enough to really say, oh, this is who I am, where I am, what I am. You know, so you need less of you <laughs> to get more of you. The night sky, 200,000 mm. years. The sun goes down, you're like, oh, fuck, man. I am like a dot. <laughs> Showtime. Yeah. Showtime. You know? Let's do it. Yeah. And society, industrial society protects us from that. And it does the opposite. It blows you up. You're the shit. You're the shit. Go ahead. Go ahead. Buy it, man. Buy the Rolex. You're the shit. Right? It just it does just the opposite. Growing up, there are, there are blackouts in, mm. in Ghana. And when there's a blackout, like, everything stops. You can't do anything. Your TV doesn't work. Your radio doesn't work. Like, there was nothing. And so you, you, the, only, the only thing you could do was just find your friend or find your family member or find someone. Because other than that, you're alone. And you're, it's dark. So you, you, you want to be with someone. And, and what we did was we just all came outside in one place. It brought mats out. People wanted to sleep, slept. People wanted to just talk and, and crack jokes and talk about stories that did that. Like, the, parent, the mothers would come out and then all the kids would gather around. We would eat food. Uh, around a fire, and then they'll talk about stories. We, we love that. They actually call it by the fireside, and it's a thing in, in, uh, in Ghana. It might be a good uh, development activity. Yeah, it's cool. it, it was great. The kids, like, we loved it as kids. Anytime there's a blackout, we actually celebrate. You're like, ooh, and then we all go outside. Yeah, I feel like the modern equivalent for me growing up here was snow day. Mm. When it gets snowed so much that everything stopped, you can go out and there's a deafening mm. silence of the snow all around you. Uh, until, you know, the plows and the snowblowers and everything just kind of, like, flipped over. Um, but, you know, that was always a celebration of, like, how long can I go without hearing anything? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, the electricity and the internet and um, power, all that. Yeah, you can find that a little bit on those morning snows when it's still early and nobody's willing to go outside or drive yet. You can find just a, a moment of that kind of quiet that I miss. Yeah, everything's noisy nowadays. Like, you can't find that quiet. Like, you can't. You go home, it's noisy. Like, you, yep. everywhere is noisy. Because, mm-hmm. like, of the system, you know, there's power, there's high-speed internet, there's everything. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I guess when there's a storm, but even that, like, you go home and you still have access to your TV and everything is still on. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, black, the blackouts... You couldn't do anything. Everything was quiet. All you heard was voices, people walking, and that's it. Like, that's it. Um, and, yeah, mm. people even stopped driving because, like, it was, it was dangerous. And going back to the body, it, it's, it's sort of like, you know, I, I, I don't do it, you know, the, the older I get, the less I do it because it's just, I, I think it's not, potentially not great for the body. Um, but fasting, I was just talking to somebody uh, uh, over the week, last weekend about fasting, and it was always big on fasting, you know, uh, two, three-day fast. And then when I was younger, I would do seven-day fasts, right? And it is crazy after day two, like, how you feel of just stopping input. You know, in essence, the equivalent of silence, right? Um, it's crazy how much the thing resets and gets back to this natural state. I mean, it's just this clarity that's just, you know. And yeah, so I think that there are no ways to, unless you have means, right? There's another thing. If you have money, 
you can do a noise and electronics fast. You can opt out and go somewhere. You can go to, you know, a retreat center. You can go to Canyon Ranch. You can go to Kripalu. Mm-hmm. Pay for, for Kripalu, you know, an ashram uh, um, that started out as a true traditional ashram. Now the average room rates are like 400 bucks a night for a cot, you know. And so if you can, if you got the, and if you can afford to take the, you know, the two weeks off from work, right, you can go do a retreat that's very quiet and unplugged from all this. But if you're poor or even blue collar, it's really tough to, 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 to cultivate that kind of quiet in your life. Or at least it can be. Yeah, I, I used to do those fast too. Um, yeah. I haven't done them in a while, but I used to do them. And if you remember, there's one time back in old space, I, I brought this juice and I, I, I drank it for three days straight. And um, it's, it's so interesting how the body is so used to just eating that if you stop eating, you feel so like, it's like your brain's telling you, this is, no, this is the time you normally eat, go eat. And you have to like be disciplined to say, nope, I'm fasting to not do it. But if you actually end up doing it, it, it's like, it makes sense, right? Because the, 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 your digestive system, is, it's, it's always working. It's always trying to break down food. That I feel like just, for me, the idea of just having it rest was, was just like fascinating to me. And that's one of the reasons why I did fasting. But you feel you feel great when you're done. Like when when it's the last day, and now you're about to take in food, you, you feel different. It's like Fridays here, like no students. It allows the system to kind of just you know kind of mm-hmm. catch up on all the kind. So yeah. when students are back on Monday, it's like oh cool, we're gonna have like a clean approach to it, right? Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah. It, it strikes me again. I just I'm in a you know. You saw me when I was coming in, I'm listening to like, you know, Black Sabbath and, and, and Rage Against the Machine. And like, I'm in that kind of mood just based on conversations yesterday with some potential funders. But what, 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 what strikes me, I listen, I've, we've had these conversations. I say no to more funders than I say yes to because it's just, just unintentionally how, how exploitive they are about, about, about the kids. Like, they don't even realize what they're saying. But anyway, um, and good people, good people. I don't, I don't mean to imply there's anybody doing anything evil. It's just a lack of awareness around these kind of things. Anyway, um, uh, that shouldn't dissuade you. If you're a funder, please come see me. We have a <laughs> lot of kids uh, who we have to turn away. Um, Make checks payable too. DAE, man, don't even, you know, I, I don't even want you to check. I want you to come hang out. And if you hang out, you're going to want to write a check. Um, That's a bar. Yeah. No, what strikes me here, you know, there's, there's another dark thought is, you know, the rich, whether it's national rich or individual rich, you know, one of the things we know historically is that they, they outsource their waste, right? And so the dead phones go, you know, land in, 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 in and, and the old TVs and all that, they land in, in, you know, parts of Asia and Africa where all these toxic chemicals then, you know, wind up getting into the soil and people are, you know. Another thing that strikes me in this conversation that the wealthy do is... Um, they push noise down into the system, you know, as their lives can become kind of cleaner and neater and quieter in a certain way. There's a proportionate increase in noise of folks further down <coughs> the food chain. Mm-hmm. Right? I just, you know, that framing hadn't occurred to me before. But, but, but we, we, we do keep making, you know, people, people's lives noisier um, through all of these, you know, kind of elements of progress. Um, and those folks have no escape from the noise in the same way that if you're in certain neighborhoods or in certain countries and certain geographies, you have no escape from the waste that gets dumped into your backyard. If you're poor, you have no escape from the noise. 
all forms of pollution. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, all the pollution gets pushed down, right? The physical pollution, the psychological pollution, the energetic pollution, it all gets pushed down. And, you know, we go to, we go to Aspen and talk about making the world better. In the rarefied air, the clean, rarefied air of Aspen, we go and hang out and we talk about how we're going to make the world better. And completely abstracted from, from the noise work. Machines, you know, not just our physical machines, but, but, but um, all these cognitive machines completely oblivious to all the noise we're creating for people. Yeah, brings us back to the philanthropy is bullshit conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, that's where we started. It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for philanthropy's influence with money. I hope you all have like a, you know, a cocktail or, or, or something as you're listening to this to get you through. You know. Or a bat and a pillow. So let's, you know, as we do, let, let, let's finish. Like, in the face of all this, though, again, like, we are really positive, upbeat people. I am not. Who work with kids. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> uh, I would say that you are. You yeah. are, man. I come, I'm glad I come off that way. In, I don't feel that way, like, of, ever. But, but, see, this, but, but in the context of impact, right, in the context yeah. of how other, like, you know, our kids here and all this, right? I, think, I just think it's important to note that, not to pat ourselves on the back, but to, but to, but to again, back to conversation one about the middle way, right? Mm-hmm. Not hiding from these things. Yeah. Not failing to acknowledge them because they're icky and heavy and all that. But also not going to say, yeah, fuck it, man, let's burn it all down, right? But saying, no, man, this is, this is the system we've developed, and we're going to have to be clear-eyed about it. But yeah. we're not going to presume to burn the thing down because the penicillin's going to go with it. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's constantly kind of living in the middle there of how do we maintain awareness of this? How do we kind of uh, positively try to impact others around these kind of issues, in our case, the kids, um, while still participating, you know? <laughs> um, to know that, that I mean, this conversation is heavy. It is heavy, yeah. but but it, but it's. I think it's got to get engaged with, but not get lost in as an excuse to not you know live a committed life. Because I, I think I think that's a cop out too. You know, mm-hmm. the the cop out of I'm going to make uh, the uh, and Randy and I'm going to make the world better through my great yep. whatever. Um, I think the other side of that coin is I'm going to make the world better by killing all the evil. You mm-hmm. know, all that stuff. Right. I think those are the same coin. That's all. It's just another form of ego. Of mm. I'm important. I'm the one that's going to fix it. Like morphed into uh, conversations about growth in the yeah. sense of finances, mm. even to the point where you know if somebody somebody has a bad quarter, they say we've had negative growth. They can't can't <laughs> lose can't lose the concept of growth from the whole conversation. We've had negative growth negative this quarter. Growth. I think it's interesting. Like even today, people are finding ways to monetize what people miss doing. Um, like like during the pandemic, Roller Skating was making a comeback. Uh, going to the record label stores, like the stores that sell vinyl and CDs, people want the uh, those albums. They can flip their CDs and get the what's that Sony that Sony music player where you actually have to open up a CD to play your first song. You got to put it in there. People it are, kills me that you don't know that name. It, <laughs> I, I don't makes me feel so yeah, old. Like, like, the Walkman. The Walkman. Was, was it a Walkman? I thought Disc, the Walkman was a cassette. Thing. Discman. 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 Oh, sorry. Right. Okay. Yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. the Walkman was the yeah. The, you're right. Cassette, you're right. The cassette you're right. thing. But you know, the old people carrying around yeah, and listening yeah, to music yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You old folk know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> but I, I think it's interesting. Like uh, today, people are trying to find ways to monetize what people miss doing or what they used to do, because all the new shiny stuff feels too. It doesn't. It doesn't hit like like yeah. it used to. 
But you don't know if it doesn't hit like it used to because you didn't get to experience it. So I've, now you're I've taking got, someone else's assumption on how it used to hit. Well, so growing growing up with my my older sister yeah. she, and like being a kid experiencing yeah. it and saying like, oh, okay, this is kind of cool. Um, but I, maybe, maybe I'm just, it's too, it's too much. Yeah. Like yeah, all yeah. the new shiny new sure. things coming out. It's just like, uh, okay, this is kind of cool, but it doesn't, it's not as cool as this. When if when the first when the yeah. first version came out, because I remember when I first when the iPhone came out, I was in fifth grade, and I was like, "Oh, this is cool!" Like, mm-hmm. I don't I don't want my PSP anymore. I want to play with this uh, yeah. this phone. And then like, new phone comes out this year. I'm like, "Oh, you you basically got the phone from last year." Mm-hmm. So I think it's interesting. Everyone on Instagram, all the uh, people on TikTok are finding ways to monetize with people use the retro stuff. Yeah, they call it yeah. Even something from 2008 because it's like considered retro. I, I put it like. See if I got something. I think I got a box somewhere <laughs> to monetize. I have some retro clothes and shoes in my closet. Then, if 2008 means yeah. retro, no, I like that. Though. I mean, me, that sounds nice. I'd love to go back to things that were less uh, involved, overwhelming, in some capacity. No going back. I know. You ever, you ever seen Mad Max Fury Road? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I think that 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 story is misunderstood to a certain degree. You know, like. Like they're off searching for that paradise. Like the patriarchy took over mm-hmm. the planet. And they created this brutal society, and Furiosa is taking these three women, and they're gonna find the paradise. Doesn't exist. Yeah. The, what there is left to do mm-hmm. is to go back and reclaim. Yeah. The thing. Yeah. It's to claim the thing that has been uh, overtaken. Yeah. That's what there is to do. But there never was a paradise. There was. There was. It was better in certain ways, and not better in other ways. So you're saying it's a documentary? What do you mean? Oh, oh, the, <laughs> Mad the, Max the, Fury. Listen, if 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 you if you ascribe to the multiverse theory, you know there are an infinite number of realities. Then every single movie you've ever seen is a documentary in some universe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I mean, in, in that in that reality, in some universe, I am Charlize Theron in Mad Max Fury Road, the real <laughs> you know, movie. That's it. Every film, there's it's 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 a reality. Yeah. Can I be President Camacho from Idiocracy? Be whatever you want to be, man. <laughs> I think we have so many people auditioning for that role already. You got competition. Uh, yo. In fact, we may have already even had one. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're heading towards Wally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, disembodied, right? That, I, I, I do think disembodied is a big part of where we're headed, is uh, this sort of like life. I just, it just sounds so dark. But, but, but this life for, for average people that we're making, you know, is just so unbearable. Like it's psychologically unbearable. It's so devoid of life. It's devoid of humanity. That retreating, we're already retreating into devices, right? Mm-hmm. And retreating into a fully fleshed out 3D device. Um, of course, that's going to be appealing. Of course, it's going to be appealing. Yeah. It's horrifying, but it's appealing. You know, if you're stuck in your 200 square foot apartment mm-hmm. in the outskirts of the city because that's what you can afford from your, you know, minimum wage job. In the context of a city where, you know, you need four extra minimum wage job just to survive. And at the end of your nine and a half hour shift, you can go home and throw on a headset and have a full sensory experience of trees and rivers. And why? Of course people are going to do that. Of course they are. And they're going to fall asleep doing that. And they're going to wake up in the morning and then, you know, they do that now with their phone. Yeah. You know, it's just not immersive. It's not as, you know, as much of a hit. Once it's immersive, of course they are. But some of us, there's a, there's a Kurt Vonnegut uh, story. I forget what, what story it is. Vonnegut was so influential on me. It's a little kid, as a little human. 
for him it was TV, right? Because mm -hmm. he's writing, and yeah, at the time he was writing this in the 50s or 60s, there's this uh, a story about a guy who's out for his evening walk and he just passes by house after house mm -hmm. where there's just this blue glow, you know, and he's the only one on the street yeah. and it's just him and his thoughts. And, and then a police car comes up and what are you doing? Is I want for a walk, for a walk. Mm. And like, and he gets arrested for being out for a walk because he's not suspicious. His, yeah, because he's not in front of his thing. Yeah, in front of his 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 blue light. You know, I make a joke to myself that I'm going to be the one like siphoning off all the nutrient tubes to live when <laughs> when we get to that point, just sneaking in and taking a little bit out of all of them. Yeah, let's go teach some kids let's some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> No. Yes, and again, for the people listening, we are like you got to come hang out because we are like the 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 energy of place is opposite this happiness. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. in all reality, this is my fuel. This is the reason I show yeah. up, and I want to show somebody that life can be full and exciting and yeah. and experiential in a way that that can uplift you. And so, this is the reason I keep showing up. Otherwise, I would have been in the woods a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I, yeah. I think it's because we're aware of this stuff. Yeah. That we create such a positive environment. I think. I think. I also think it's self-nourishing, right? Like yeah. it's. It's like I get as much benefit out of it as the kids might. I have not yet been able to find the same dopamine hits that I get from like community and connecting with folk. Yep. I can't get it. That don't feel the same way at the end of video games. Don't feel the same way at the end of movie. But yep. working on a project with somebody, helping somebody figure something out, it's great. Thank you for listening to Absurd Wisdom. This is A.M. Bot. And, you know, conversation, real human conversation never actually ends, but episodes of podcasts need to. So we're going to end here. You can connect with me on Instagram and TikTok at, at Absurd Wisdom. Uh, you can find DAE on Instagram at DAE.community or online at MyDAE.org. Absurd Wisdom is produced and distributed by DAE Presents the production arm of BAE, and uh, we'll be back with more conversation beyond understanding next Thursday. <laughs>